Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Our text, this is a a pretty well-known passage. Um, If you've been uh, in the church very long, uh, you, you've you heard this quoted, you've probably read it, and uh, so Romans chapter 12, we're going to uh, look at the first two verses, verses 1 and 2. We are uh, going back to our scheduled series that we started before camp and uh, just called it Spiritual Health Check, and these are just some, some marks that we need in our life uh, to be a healthy uh, Christian, and uh, we have several questions uh, that we're asking, and today's question is, am I living a life of worship? And uh, the previous one was about the Word of God. Today is about worship. So let's, let's take a moment and read these uh, two verses, and then let's just uh, see what the Lord has for us. Praise the Lord. How many love His Word? Amen. Amen. I beseech You therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather in your house. Thank you, Lord, for each and every one here, the families represented. I pray your grace would just be extended to us as we share from this passage today. And Lord, may we be free to worship you in every aspect of our lives. In Christ's name, all God's children say a big amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Am I living a life of worship? We, we have started this series. Our focus is on spiritual fitness, uh, what it means to be in a healthy relationship with Christ and uh, We introduced six words that begin with the letter W um, that give us a good description of a healthy Christian life and what it looks like. And uh, how many know since repetition is the mother of all learning, we need to renew them and review them. So we talked about the word because a healthy Christian knows God's word through the applied word of God under the direction of the Holy Spirit who is the author, right? You say, yeah, but all these men, yes, but the Bible says they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost. How many is glad for the Holy Ghost? 
So God uses the Bible to give us spiritual life. He uses the Bible to sustain our spiritual life. And so a healthy Christian is constantly reading, is constantly obeying the Word of God. Okay, so the Word. And then worship. A healthy Christian manifests a lifestyle of worship, uh, one of prayer. Uh, how many is thankful for the power of prayer? How many has ever seen prayer answered? I have. I have. And uh, I think for the believer, prayer is like oxygen. We can't live without it. Right? And uh, our lives should be based on that daily communion with God. And uh, so we're going to look at worship and uh, that point today. Uh, then we, we said number three is warmth, which is a healthy Christian engages in meaningful relationships that reflect the love of God, leave people impacted by the love of God, and changed. And then we are talking, we're going to talk about witness because a healthy Christian lives under the commission, the great commission of Christ uh, to win, to grow disciples, uh, integrating outreach into all aspects of our lives. And then we're going to talk about works because a healthy Christian builds up the body of Christ through their spiritual gifts, through their talents and their, and their spiritual passions. And then we're going to close with wisdom because a healthy Christian manages their money and their time, putting them under the lordship of Christ and being wise, right? We are to be wise as serpents, right? How many remember that verse? Wise as? I don't like snakes. I don't either. But wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. So this morning, we're going to look at the topic of worship. Everybody say worship. At its basic core, worship is our response to God. Our response to God because of who he is, and what he's done. Has he been faithful to you? Has he been merciful to you? Has he been good to you? Worship is our response to God. And a healthy Christian will have a life that overflows with gratitude to God. An unhealthy Christian really just ignores the aspect of worship because to them, God doesn't mean that much. Boy, I don't want to fall in that class, right? Truth is, everyone was created to worship God. Hey, everybody. How about on this side? You know that's one of the purposes of your life is to worship God. How about in the middle? How about over here? You say, I just don't know what my purpose is. Well, you can start with worship. You can start with worship. Have you ever found yourself leaving a worship service saying to yourself, man, the worship was great. I can't wait till next service. Or maybe you've had the opposite reaction. You say, I love this church, but man, the worship just isn't my favorite. Well, no matter which situation you have found yourself in, we can all admit that we sometimes equate worship with the music. 
We equate oftentimes worship with the songs we sing in a part of the service or in a segment of the service that we usually call the worship service. Our perspective of worship becomes oftentimes limited to what we experience at church. But how many know scripture is clear about what worship is and the fact that it extends much deeper than the songs we sing? Worship is an intimate expression of gratitude for the mercies of God that He has given to His people. And singing is just an aspect, just one aspect of how we worship. Because true worship happens when we live a life, really, that revolves around Christ. What is it Scripture says? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Thursday at camp. Had a young man, a camper, approach me, and he uh, he was thinking about going home. I said, "Well, what's going on? What's going on? You just homesick?" No. I asked a girl to the banquet, and she said she would come with me to the banquet. I said, "Well, what's wrong?" Well, I told her that I had feelings for her and I wanted to know if it was mutual. And she said it wasn't. So that just, that just ruined his day. What is he going to do now? I just got to go home, Pastor. So I brought him back to that scripture. Seek ye first. The kingdom. All these other things. Hey, keep it in perspective. Worship revolves around Christ. Right? And worship involves all of our life. And really, as I mentioned, everybody worships, whether it's your hero that you're worshiping, whether it's possessions you're worshiping, whether it's success or pleasure, or maybe it's a political cause. Uh, maybe, uh, as, as they do in other lands, carve out an idol. Uh, everybody worships. And the way we live proves the things that we worship. Proves the way, the things that we love. And we all have this inner drive to worship. That is, it's really God-given. And the disaster is that as part of the fall, we have often replaced the objects of worship. Right? But to be converted to Christ uh, is to return to the worship of the true God. And to dethrone all rivals to the lordship and the authority of Jesus Christ. And so the very heart of worship is the giving not only of our talents and our goods, but of our very selves. Right? And there's something of self that is offered in worship. And I want you to know this because, in fact, all the words... I thought it interesting as I studied. All the words for worship in the Bible are verbs. Everybody say verbs that describe, what's verbs do? They describe action. Huh? And so all the words of worship in the Bible are verbs that describe some action on the part of the worshiper. 
So worship, church, is a what you could call a, a full contact sport, not a spectator sport. Worship is not just something we attend, it's something we do. Okay? And it is from that framework or window of truth that I believe Paul begins to write this text. And as we look at it, I want us to discover four characteristics about living a life of worship. Are you ready? All right. Number one. Follow with me. I think I've put them on the screen. Number one, worship reminds us of our need for the mercies of God. So let's go to the text. Paul writes, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by, which means because of, the what? Somebody can shout it out. There you go. Okay, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So Paul begins this entire chapter by saying, I beseech you, which simply means, um, come here, I got something to tell you. For Paul, this is personal. For Paul, this is important. For Paul, this is special. He's inviting us to come near or to what we say now, kind of lean in towards this. Listen, listen. And once then he has our attention, once we are leaning in, he says to live a life of worship to God begins with the mercy of God. So often we focus on the part of that verse it says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. And we can major on that. We talk about the sacrifice and laying down our lives and surrendering to God. But before Paul says that, before we ever get to that part of the text, Paul implies the reality that there has to be a point in our lives that we come to the realization that we need God's mercy more than anything else. Paul says that it is this foundational realization that initially brings us to God. And truth be told, is we still need that same mercy every day that we live. Paul writes to Titus, one of his sons in the faith, in chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And he says, not of works of righteousness which we have done. But notice what he says, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration, by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. How many know that is true for all of us? That is why we are sitting in this sanctuary today. We are sitting here this morning because God has demonstrated his mercy towards us he has forgiven our sins he has adopted us into the family uh, and he has given us a future he has given us a hope uh, and true worship reminds me of my need for the mercies of God on a daily basis it causes me to realize with the psalmist uh, over in chapter 124 when he says if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side I would already be confined to eternal punishment in hell so it's 
life-transforming church to realize uh, when we come to Christ, uh, we are not coming to someone who's ready to club us uh, every wrong move we make. No, Scripture teaches that God's essential nature and character is one of mercy. Praise God. Mercy holds back from us what we really deserve how dynamic it is to know that there is never a moment when we come to the Lord that He stops being merciful because even in His discipline, He is merciful. Oh, somebody ought to shake, raise your hands and shake your hands a little bit, I started to say. <laughs> but Paul says, if we have received mercy, then we should be a person of praise continual worship if any one of us got what we really deserved here this morning we would all be in a heap of trouble oh you know it's true Huh? Each of us have sinned. Each of us have disobeyed this book right here. Each of us has messed up and made our fair share of mistakes. And according to the God's law, we've earned a one-way ticket straight to hell. But thanks be to the mercies of God, the Father, Christ the Son, has rescued us from the penalty that we deserve. Many of us are alive this year having survived multiple attacks of the enemy not because our faith was so great but because the mercies of God was great. His mercies followed us all through our drama. His mercies followed us through all of our issues. And that's why the psalmist said in 107.1 he said, the Lord is good and His mercy endureth forever. Praise God. If you're thankful for the mercy of God, why don't you give Him a hand clap of praise? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. If it had not been for the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I gotta hurry. Point number two. We're in two of four. Worship authenticates our faith. Verse one, he goes on to say that you present your bodies a there's that there's that phrase, living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Paul says that to present our bodies a living sacrifice is is just a reasonable thing. It's the logical thing. In other words, because of His mercy, we're still here. And so it's logical. Since we're not in hell, when we're on our way to heaven, whoo, hallelujah. Worship is logical. It's reasonable. In other words, worship is the authentic expression of a life that's been spared. Right? It's the expression of a life that is in love with its rescuer, which is Christ. A life that is not characterized by worship is really not authentically His. Okay? And, and, and it goes on when he talks about these living sacrifices. And if you look through the Scriptures, you'll find 
There's at least three living sacrifices mentioned in the Bible. Number one comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 22. In the story that you can recall, it says Isaac willingly put himself on that altar and would have died in obedience to God's will, but the Lord sent a ram, remember that? To die in his place. And told Abraham, his father, said, no, 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 don't hurt the child. This is only a test. When Isaac got off of the altar, he became a, what kind of sacrifice? Living, living sacrifice. So that's one instance. In the Gospels, we know Christ willingly surrendered himself to the cross. He died as a sacrifice. He rose again from the dead, though. Hallelujah. I said he rose from the dead. That makes Christ a living what? Sacrifice. Thirdly, Paul says we as believers, we are to willingly present our bodies, our lives, as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice means, listen, when that sacrifice is alive and he's on the altar, by his own choice, he can crawl off the altar anytime he wants. Right? But a living sacrifice that surrendered to Christ We're on the altar of sacrifice. And what this means is we place ourselves in close proximity to make ourselves available to God. And in Romans 6.19, if we was to back up from our text a couple chapters, Paul says, As ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness. Now, how many remember your B.C. years? That's before Christ, right? How many remember when you used to work for the other guy, right? Anybody raise your hand? Can you remember when you used to live for the other guy? Well, you've been saved so long, you forgot. No, I'm talking about when you worked for the other guy, the D-E-V-I-L. Okay, how many remember... When you was doing that, when you was living for him, you had no problem sinning. I mean, you'd stay up all night and party if you had to. You didn't complain. But now, and here's the thing, but now you're living for someone who loves you. He's given everything for you. He forgives you. He has restored you. He's adopted you into his own family. And it's a heavenly family. And he's given you the power of his name. That is a name above all names. And this is what he says about you. You're holy. You're set apart. Not because of what you do. But because of what's been done for you. Your sins can be forgiven. You can be made clean by the blood of the Lamb. You are acceptable. God sees you now as a trophy of His grace. That brings joy to His heart. Not because you're so perfect. But because Christ the perfect one has lived in you. When we live from this position that we are fully Christ, we are set apart to Him, acceptable now to God, it brings us to the place of authentic worship from a heart that is genuinely in love with our Lord. Praise God. Does this make sense? Good. Number three. Worship then confronts 
our desire to conform. So notice what Paul says. And be not what? Conform to this world. Now the root of the word that we have over here in our English side, the root for the word conformed is the same root word that we derive the term schematic from. Schematic is a template that is used to mass produce printed uh, circuit boards, okay, or uh, integrated circuit chips. And so, so he goes on to say, conform to this world. Now, when Paul uses the term world there, he's speaking of our age or our culture or the times in which we live. And Paul refers to this age as a, a, a present evil age. And this age is characterized by, by evil and, and, and meaning that it is at odds with God. And so this age, Paul is saying, seeks to conform us to its image. It seeks to fashion or make us fit our dreams and our desires into its ideas and its values and its methods for success. Okay, the world simply wants to imprint its design on us like an integrated computer chip. But Paul says, don't let this happen. We represent a different age. The kingdom age where God reigns as our king. How many know that's why? That's why the music of the church sounds different, for example, than the music of the age or the world. is because it should. Because it comes from a different kingdom. Right? That's why as believers we have our own language that is free from the vile and vulgar words of our culture. Hello, hello. It's because we are from a different kingdom. That's why as believers we dress differently. Our styles are different. We embrace biblical modesty. Why? Because we are citizens of another country. It's about time we as believers be the salt, be the light in our homes and on our jobs and in our communities. Sad to say many modern churches have been so focused on seeker-sensitive philosophy that they're no longer sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and what He wants to do in their lives. And like Lot, Abraham's nephew, they're more concerned about their position in society than they are their position in Jesus Christ. But every time we declare, God, You are my God and we are Your people, it is confronting the desire in us to conform to this world. And it reminds us, how many know I'm just a pilgrim? Is this your permanent residence? I hope not. My permanent residence is a celestial kingdom. On the other side of this nasty now and now. Listen friends, uh, we've got more to go over there now than we did. Mm. 
hallelujah, there's more over there that's welcoming us than all this mess we're dealing with now. Hey, listen, I can't wait because I got more to go to heaven for than I had yesterday. Number four, here's my last point. Worship transforms our view of reality. Be not trans, or excuse me, be not conformed to this world, but notice what he says. Be ye what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Praise God. Paul's word here, transformed, we know is from the Greek word where we get our English word metamorphosis. And uh, it's the process we all know by which a, a larva is changed into a butterfly, Right? few Mondays ago, I think it was a Monday, we went to a butterfly garden somewhere around Avon, I think, and uh, before we went into the butterfly house, they had this uh, display case of all the different larvae, right? Did I saying that right? Is it larva? And they said, did you, did you see, did you notice all the, the butterflies in process? Huh? And, you know, when we got over there and started looking, here's the thing. We didn't see any support groups saying, come on, you can do it. Huh? Interesting fact about this word conformed and then transformed, these two words. Conforming is a choice. We choose. We make decisions to allow ourselves to be molded or shaped by the culture around us. But transformation is a more natural process. It's something that's done to us. It's the result of God's spirit at work in our lives. Woo! How are we transformed? He said by the renewing of our mind. And renewal of the mind does not come by attending some self-improvement course and, and taking in all the latest great self-help podcasts. I'm not saying if you, get, you can get help from... I'm, I, I, hey, listen. Our minds are renewed as we ponder, as we declare, as we proclaim, as we ingest the words of Christ. Paul says a transformation takes place in, in our view. A, a reality changes when we begin to see God through his word. Right? The Old Testament prophet Isaiah, he said on one occasion, he said, I saw the Lord. And he said he was high and lifted up. He was seated on his throne. Remember that verse? And it, it was then when he saw the king that he was then, you read a few verses later, he was confronted with the fact that he himself, he said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And notice he said this, for my eyes have seen the king. Oh, hallelujah. I wonder how many of us have seen the king lately. I said, how many of us 
has really seen the king lately. I'm talking about the one who is high and exalted. The one who is majestic and has defeated all the powers of sin and death. The one who heals the sick. The one who saves the lost. The one who delivers us out of captivity. The one who breaks addictions. Oh, would it be good if we could see the king this morning. Have you seen him lately? Because when you see the king, hallelujah, you begin to understand the height, the breadth, the width, and the depth of his love for you. You begin to see yourself differently. You begin to see others differently. The view of reality changes. Why? Because worship transforms our view of reality. When you come into the place of worship, your knuckles could be dragging. You could have the weight of the world on your shoulders. But when you get in His presence, and as you stand alongside Isaiah and says, I see my God and he's still high he's still lifted up and I look around and his Shekinah glory is still filling the temple listen friends your problem begins to grow smaller as your God begins to grow bigger and bigger and bigger your reality is changing and here's the benefit Paul says you then can prove what is that good acceptable and perfect will of God prove means that you you learn the genuineness of something by examination or testing but often you prove it through actual use we learn to recognize God's will through actual use Use, we experience it firsthand. We see things from God's perspective and they begin sense. Right? And so true biblical worship satisfies our total personality that we don't have to shop around for man-made substitutes. We realize Christ is the one our soul desires. Woo. And so Paul concludes, and we recap. Number one, we said worship reminds us of our need for the mercies of God. I come to worship because I need God. I don't care what others think about me. I've got to hurry. I got five minutes till bean time. Listen, I don't care. Listen, there was a there was a season of my ministry right out of Bible school. I began to care. Hello. I began to care what others thought of how I preached, how I ministered. I'm sorry, folks, but now after almost 20 years of pastoring here. Guess what? I don't care. And I don't take that and run with it. <laughs> you, you say, he just don't care about us. No, I care about you. I just don't care about, why, why is he worshiping that way? Why does he have to preach like that? <laughs> 
Listen. You let God direct you. You don't care if the person in front of you turns around and says, you really got to be that boisterous? Yeah, matter of fact, I do. You might want to clear out the way because I'm about ready to worship. I'm about ready to worship. And I don't care what others think of my worship. What I do care is that he is exalted, that he is exalted and lifted high above all things. Worship reminds us of our need for the mercies of God. Number two, worship authenticates our faith. I come to worship because I believe. I wouldn't waste my time coming on Sunday if I didn't believe. And because I believe, I'm going to worship Him for what He is to me. Number three, worship confronts our desire to conform. I come to worship because I don't care which direction the world is going. I am not going that direction. I'm going the way that Christ is walking and letting Him be formed in me. And number four, worship transforms my view of reality. I come to worship because I, I want to see the king. I said, I want to see the king. And I, when I see him, I realize he's still alive. He is resurrected from the grave. He is seated at the... And everything, no matter how rocky it gets, no matter how much shaking goes on down here, it's still under his control. Praise God, let's stand together. So if our worship is a lifestyle, it affects every part of us. Oh, somebody lift your hands in worship. I feel the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody do a little bit of worshiping in the church right now. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you for what you do for us, God. Thank you for your mercies, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for so great a salvation. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the mercies of God. You wouldn't be sitting in that comfortable pew if it wasn't for the grace of God. And as we worship Him, we are transformed. And He is formed in us. We become more like the one we worship. Oh, hallelujah. The philosopher Aristotle said, We are what we repeatedly do. We are what we repeatedly do. I want to repeatedly worship. That becomes my lifestyle. Father, here today, oh, we just begin by worshiping you. We just say thank you, Jesus, for your mercies. And Father, if there is one here under the sound of my voice that, do, that does not know the reason for our worship, Father, they may be spiritually, they're standing on the outside looking in and they don't understand the reason of our worship. God, I pray that we invite them in today. They come through the door called Jesus Christ. They give their lives to Him. They just surrender and say, Jesus, 
I take you as my Savior. Jesus, I surrender to you as my Lord. I want to live for you. Father, as we have seen the Apostle Paul's writings as we have quoted his words today, God, I pray that we will put Christ in charge of every area of our lives, not only on Sunday, but every day, that we live with purity and holiness and gratitude to Him. In Jesus' name, all God's people shout amen. amen. These altars are open. Why don't you take a moment? Why don't you step out of your seat and take a moment? Maybe you just want to stand across the front or find a place to kneel and say, Lord, I'm thankful for your mercies. Or Lord, I, I need to surrender this area as I become a living sacrifice. As I resist the conforming of the world, as I embrace the transforming of our Lord Jesus Christ, this altar call is for you. Jesus, be exalted in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The King is exalted on high. Oh, He is exalted. The King is exalted on high. And I will praise Him. He is exalted, forever exalted. And I will praise 